Welcome to Ohio Roots, the official podcast of the Ohio Genealogical Society. Join us as we embark on a captivating journey through Ohio's rich genealogy, history, and abundant resources. Hosted by me, OGS Executive Director Noel Poirier, this podcast brings you insightful conversations with a diverse array of guests, from OGS members, chapter leaders, and staff, to renowned genealogists, historians, and influential figures within the genealogical community. Each episode delves into fascinating topics and captivating stories. So grab your headphones, hit that play button, and join us on this enthralling journey of Ohio's roots. Our guest today on the Ohio Roots podcast is Corinne Moses of Moses Genealogy. Uh, Corinne is a graduate of Brigham Young University, and she does research principally in German and Portuguese ancestry. Uh, she takes trips periodically to Germany, where she does research for herself and for others who have uh, hired her to do so. Uh, we have a really nice talk today with her, uh, where we talked about locating German hometowns. We talked about some brick walls in our families and her families and other people's families. We talked about some inspiring stories uh, from her own family that kind of kept her going in her research. Um, it's a really nice, pleasant conversation. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, one caveat is that we were having some connection issues with Corinne, so you may hear delays or miss a word or two, and we apologize for that, but we plan on having Corinne back on again in the future so that we can talk to her a little more detail about what she does. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Corinne. Hi, I'd like to welcome to the Ohio Roots podcast, uh, Corinne Moses. Corinne is a researcher of German uh, genealogy who's uh, been pleasant enough to join us today on the Ohio Roots podcast and, and to share what she does and what she likes to do and maybe give us little tips on, on how we can do our own research a little better. So thank you, Corinne, for joining us. Really appreciate it. Yes, thank you for inviting me. It's our pleasure. It's always fun to speak with folks who do different kinds of research. Um, I will start, if you don't mind, with a question I kind of ask everybody, um, regardless of how long they've been doing genealogy, um, because we all kind of have an origin story, uh, something that kind of got in our craw uh, that made us say, you know, I really want to start doing this thing um, that is a fairly unique process and, and, and unique to our group of people that we call genealogists or family historians. So what was it that got into your craw? So for me, it was my own family history. I had kind of like dipped my toes into family history and was like, I don't think this is really my thing. Um, and then one day I was visiting my grandmother and um, I had studied the German language in high school and felt just a really strong connection to the language for some reason. Um, and so I was visiting my grandmother for her birthday and she comes to the door and she says, you have to see what my husband did for my birthday. And I'm like, okay, let's check it out. And she says, this is a, the wedding picture of my grandmother and my grandfather. And she's from Germany. He's from Ireland. Okay. And I was like, wait, we're German. I did not know <laughs> that and know at all. So that was just kind of figuring out that mystery right. okay. of where did we come from was where it started for me. Okay. Well, and I say this because you are probably very familiar with the general demographic of people who do genealogy and the listeners can't see you, but you are not in that demographic of people who tend to be over 40 with a lot of spare time on their hands. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, uh, it's refreshing to see that. Um, now you said you enjoyed German. And I, when I read your, your biography, you talked about going to Brigham Young. So obviously you were in a place, uh, for a while there where you could really dig into that then. Yes, I did. I started out studying German before I changed tracks to family history and right. I lived in their German language housing. So okay. I was pretty deep in it. 
Yeah. <laughs> German ancestry is really important to folks in Ohio, obviously, because it's one of the, I think it is the, 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 the country where the most amount of people here in Ohio identify as being, com as coming from. So obviously what you do for, for German research is, is pretty important. Are there aspects to your research that you really, really enjoy doing? I mean, you know, I know I'll give you from, an example for me is I will go off on tangents when I'm researching a relative. Um, and I'll just find an interesting relative and they'll just, I'll spend days on that one person, even though they're, they might be my third cousin twice removed or something. Um, so I enjoy that. What, what, what part of doing the research do you find kind of the most enjoyable? For me, and this is, um, very specific to like immigrant research in general, okay. but also specifically German is just finding the hometown for the first okay. time, because okay. that's such a big breakthrough you're seeing censuses that say Germany or Bavaria or something and all these really vague like Prussia on their vital records sure. and then to see the actual hometown to be like we can take it across the ocean and and how far do you, I mean how difficult is it when you once you find that hometown um how difficult then does it become to continue to go back generation after generation um so it's not, it's not too bad. There's obviously like the old handwriting. That's pretty right. difficult if okay. you don't know how to read it. <laughs> right. Um, but there are lots of online helps for, you know, figuring that out. And then um, it depends on where your ancestors are from. Mm -hmm. There are some places that, you know, war has destroyed the records. Um, but more often than not, if you find a small hometown, it just keeps going. Okay. Um, and like on the the biggest projects that I've worked on, you know, they've been in one town or like the surrounding towns and they just send you to another place and mm -hmm. just keep going. Um, it gets very difficult around like 1700 or 1750, depending on the place, because yeah. the records are a little a little thinner with their right. information. <laughs> right. Um, you mentioned reading the text and and I know even like I studied German in high school and college as well, but I, I forgot about it probably two years after I left college, to be perfectly <laughs> honest with you. Um, but I've found as I've done genealogy where I live in Ohio, there's a there was a local German language newspaper. And I find it fascinating how I can turn that part of my brain on still when I find those newspaper and I'm like, oh, I know what this is. It's an obituary, you know? It, so that seems like a real struggle. Are, are there other aspects of researching that you find least pleasant for you? Um, I think the, I don't think I've ever been asked that question before. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I would definitely say like being still on the U.S. side of things and just finding like 20 different sources with no hometown. Uh -huh. Okay. Or, you know, getting to my least favorite thing is when I go into like a German church, um, the records of a German church and they're written in the old German handwriting and they don't give any hometowns. I'm like, oh, that okay. was your one job. That was your one job. <laughs> <laughs> my, I think my, my main dislike is more, more of a physical thing. I despise microfilm. So uh, I, am one, you know, I'm, I'm just one of those people who, if you put me in front of a microfilm reader, I'm, I'm not going to, I can't be helped. <laughs> <laughs> now you talk about um finding that that initial hometown which to me seems like it's that would be kind of a brick wall for a lot of german descendant german ancestors can you give me an example of a really fulfilling brick wall that you knocked down in the process of doing research for yourself or somebody else um yes yeah, so i was researching for one family and i'm originally from massachusetts so my mine was not you know, your traditional, um, 
Midwestern German research. There was no German church to go to. Um, so with my family, probably one of the most satisfying things was finding their hometown. And that was not, you know, I haven't found every record there is for them, but it, there was no trace of it anywhere Hmm. in, um, in us records. And actually there's a project, a Polish project called the Poznan project where they, they like extract and index Polish marriages for both the Polish and the Prussians that were living there. And my ancestors just popped up in it one day. I had searched it more than once and they just popped up. They'd been recently indexed or something. And I was like, oh my goodness, is that like, it seems so easy. I've been working on this for years and they just, there they are. (laughs) There they are all of a sudden. Do you find that, I mean, I find that fascinating too, when you, when you do go to websites like familysearch.org where they're constantly updating records that they're putting on there. And I try to make it a point to remind myself to regularly go in and see if they've added anything in the, in the areas where my family were living. Um, just so I can you know, do exactly that. You're starting like, Oh my God, there's a record. There they are. Oh, they were in jail. You know, Oh, there's a jail record. And I find them in that. So yeah, that, I could see how that's fascinating. Now you, I, I read, you know, on, on your biography that you also do some Portuguese uh, research. How yes. did that come about? Um, I, that, seems a, that seems like a very niche kind of, uh, kind of area to be in. It is. I spent some time in Brazil and I learned how to speak Portuguese. And, um, and then when I came back to BYU and was in kind of like, you know, starting to network about jobs, people were like, okay, so, but you speak Portuguese, you do Portuguese family history. And I was like, oh no, I hadn't even thought about that. And they're like, well, now you do. (laughs) (laughs) they're like, you are needed. So now you do it. And then they kind of connected me to a mentor and just like, you know, any questions I had, I was like, Hey, what's, what's about this? What about this? So is it it as challenging handwriting wise? No, no, it's, it's um, very similar to just reading today's cursive. So, I mean, to, Today's cursive is well, not really yeah, you, you, a thing you, anymore. But right, you, you say that's very funny. I, 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 not to go off on a tangent, but I tend to do that when we talk about these things. Um, I was scrolling through some Reddit group which deals with deciphering handwriting or deciphering things, uh, and and cryptology and things like that. And someone posted a letter written in cursive in English from the 1940s and asked, "Does anybody tell me what this says?" Oh my! And, and the comments, <laughs> just reading cursive seems to be a challenge for a lot of folks today. So, yeah. Now, so I, in that sense, yeah. it's difficult, but yeah. it is just, just cursive. Okay. There are an insane amount of abbreviations in Portuguese. Okay. okay. Yeah. So as you go farther back, there are very few like whole words in the records, right. but that's quite far back, like 1800s. Okay. It's, it's pretty good, pretty good okay. reading. I understand that you conduct research on behalf of people as well. I know you're going, we, we're talking now and you're on your way to Germany, I think for a research trip as we're speaking soon. Yes. So, so do you ha- talk to me about your process for, for doing that? Do you accumulate uh, uh, customers or, or clients before you do one of these trips? Yeah. So I, um, I work year round for various clients and, um, and specifically for this trip, there was one who all, you know, so many of his family lines went to Hamburg okay. and the Hamburg church records are not digitized. Okay. Um, so I said, you know, we can go, we can keep writing the archive back and forth and they're very responsive. They're great. But if you're interested in getting, um, you know, making a lot of progress all at once, we could go and probably, you know, knock back a few generations on each line. Right. Um, 
And he was all about that. So there's that. And then another one was records that are in individual churches that don't have the funds to digitize them and send them to archives. Okay. And so I'll be go making a lot of really small trips okay. to get just a few records for those. And that one was one that just, you know, had done their own research, but mm-hmm. said, this is something we can't do on our own. Let's hand it off to you. How much time do you spend when you're overseas? Um, so two weeks seems to be pretty, a pretty good length okay. of time. Um, so that's what I'm, I'm going to be just under two weeks this okay. time. And, and how often do you go about doing that? How often do you get an opportunity to do that? Um, so I am hoping to do it every year. Okay. It's been a few years since I've been there on sure. site, just, you know, family and whatnot hasn't worked out, but I'm hoping to be able to do it every year. So okay. just goes basically by need, you know, who needs yeah. stuff on site. And once it gets, once there's enough, then okay. head on over. And, and I know, uh, when you talk about your own kind of, you said you discovered you were German, um, were there any, when you were going through your, your family history and I sit down with my teenage son and I try to tell him what's going on with my family (laughs) and I don't think he cares, but that's okay. Um, so sometimes I'll tell other people who might care. The Ohio Roots podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Genealogical Society, the premier gateway for discovering your Ohio family history. To learn more about joining, visit www.ogs.org. Have you found some stories from your own kind of personal family history that you just found kind of fascinating and, and, and you wanted to share with everybody? And because I always, I enjoy those stories when you, when you discover a weird relative. Yeah. Um, so my, my best like research line, cause I'm one of kind of two genealogists in the family and okay. And when I started was when we started to have a lot of resources back. So the best research line is one that we actually had journals for um, one of my English ancestors who came to New England. um, And he was a a preacher during the Spanish flu. And this one's it's not fun. It's kind of like chilling and sad. (laughs) But he let's say interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So he, um, he lost a couple of children and, you know, in his arms, but I was just, I was just inspired by, you know, how he kept pushing forward. Like that seems so traumatic and heartbreaking, but he had, he had more family to keep going for and he had his congregation and he just, he had to keep going and he did, he went on and, and lived his life and, and did awesome things with it. So that was just the thing that I was like, Oh my goodness, I don't even know if I could, if I could like live another day after that. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's, you know, it's fascinating when you read uh, my, like I said, my aunt, I, before we started recording, I'd mentioned that I have ancestors that are from fall river, uh, Massachusetts, which has a heavy French Canadian and Portuguese community there. And I had ancestors who ran a livery uh, in Fall River. And during the Spanish influenza, they were the ones who went around and got the bodies out of the houses to take them to all the morgues. And somehow nobody in the family ever got sick. Um, wow. So it was just one of those weird, yeah. So those are, yeah, I, I, you know, they're sad stories because they're going around doing what they're doing. But at the same time, you're like, wow, they, somehow this family persevered out of all of that. And, it, and it's, and that's what I find, uh, and, you know, when I, when I do genealogy. Um, I'm not so much about the algae as I am about, you know, the storytelling aspects of genealogy. Um, I mean, I obviously have to do those three things for everybody, but, but I like to find the stories more than anything else. Um, 
Is there a piece of advice if someone's researching a German ancestor, whether it's from Ohio or anywhere else, is is there a, a piece of advice you would give them to kind of kind of help them get started kind of their, on their search? Yes, I would say try to find them in a German congregation. Okay. If you're um, if you're kind of stuck at the, you know, where did they actually come from? Um and like the Hamburg passenger list, if they're if they're okay. in that time period, to find the German list for okay. it. How does how is I mean I've I've researched a lot. My I have a lot of ancestors from Germany as well. And and how do you how do you confront the challenge of spelling of last names and how they get altered over time? Um, and and you'll see somebody say in a passenger list, and it kind of looks like it might be the right spelling and age and thing. How do you reconcile those things, or, or is there a way to do that? Um, there is, um, it's, it's phonetical. Like there are certain sound changes that are acceptable and some that are not. Right. Um, and one thing, like a quick, easy tip that I, um, for like the consonants, because I think the consonants Mm -hmm. are the easiest ones to kind of swap out. Um, vowels are a little trickier, but, um, there are, there are voiced and unvoiced consonants. So like D and T. They're the same sound, but for one, for D, you engage your voice box. And for T, it's just air coming out. Okay. So there's like D and T, P and B. And those are ones that you'll, you'll see switched all the time. You're like, okay. oh, you know, I thought it was, I thought they're. Um, just because they're said, they're, they're, they're spoken a certain way. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. And it's, it's easy. It's easy to change that. Like if, if you're talking to someone and you're like, did you just say pig or big? Okay. Yeah. And it's the same thing with last names because a lot of it right. goes based on like, um, you know, just speaking it to someone else and them writing it down or even, um, you know, German spelling was like there was no concrete spelling until like the late 1800s. Okay. And so if it sounded right, then it then it was right. Um, mm-hmm. So you can get some really big variations in this. Okay. It's definitely easier if you speak German, right. but um, there's like, I'm sure that um, some of the family search community groups would be a place that you could even say like, Hey, does this, is this a right. reasonable variation? Right. Um, yeah. And there are definitely some online resources for that as well. Okay. Uh, you mentioned, you mentioned passenger lists and, 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 and things of that nature. And you mentioned uh, earlier in our conversation, we were talking about, you mentioned about being interested in, in immigrant groups of people coming over um do you do you feel like uh recent immigrants because a lot of german immigrants go back hundreds of years um, but do you feel like recent immigrants say in in the late 19th or early 20th centuries my my sense is in in looking at even looking at say ancestry or family search that they are fairly underrepresented in terms of genealogy do you mean like they're not? I, I don't think I quite well, understand. I, I guess what I mean, what I mean is like you'll you'll look at a like I, I was researching an Italian uh, gentleman here in in Ohio and trying to trace his family back through a certain point, but it just seems like those records in what is available in this country and and how recent immigrants moved around so much makes it very difficult, and as a result, um, they're not represented as much in the records that are available in this country. Mm, okay, I see what you mean. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe I'm projecting my own genealogical failings, but <laughs> that seems to be my, 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 no, now that you, moment. now that you clarified it, I, I know what you mean. And I have, okay. you know, a few lines that come to mind, yeah. but, um, so in, I think, I think that's 
they're like in a lot of records. Okay. Yeah. Um, but there are not, you know, as many records that say where exactly they were from. So for yeah. specifically for like um, naturalization records from 1906 on, they were very like thorough and specific and giving hometowns and stuff. But before yeah. that, it could just be like Ireland. Germany. Right. 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 Um, and then if they, if they didn't come with the earlier waves that settled into those communities mm-hmm. of, you know, of ethnic communities, then they do just kind of right. slide into the slush of whatever's right. whatever is where they are. I think that's what, that was the problem with my German ancestors okay. and okay. why I was only able to find them from German records. Right. Okay. Um, we talked a little about kind of advice you give and things like that. Is, are there, what's a, what's a really simple genealogical tip um, for someone who has a German ancestor um, and, or a Portuguese ancestor for that matter. Um, and, and is trying to, and is trying to nail down um, any detail about their life, whether it's birth, death. I mean, is there, is there a really quick tip, like a, like, like, like a flash tip you could give them for that, a place to go, resources that are online, um, that they can look for, or, or is it, or are they kind of lost? Um, do you mean like a, a date in their original hometown or just in, like in the U S as well? I would say anywhere. Um, you know, uh, you know, because I think that for me, you know, you'll, sometimes you'll you, like, I, you'll find someone and, and you can't really find anything on that individual. Um, and so from the standpoint of, of what's your go-to, I guess, what, what's your go-to when you hit that person? Okay. So that, and that usually happens for me, like some in the, in the like earlier 1800s, um, because vital records were not established in all places Mm -hmm. at that time, or they weren't conformed to. Um, but I, my go-to is to just look for church records, see, because the churches were responsible for the people before the governments were. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and I think, you know, I always try to remind folks when we use, when they come to the OGS library or when they reach out to me about a project, I always try to remind them that um, make sure you look at, if you go to, if you're going to use family search, you know, make sure you look at the images, not just enter your person in there. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, because so many people just, they enter the person in the little search thing and nothing comes back because they don't know to look in the images. And I think a lot of those church records start to show up in those things because, and they're not indexed because as you, as we've talked about, a lot of times the handwriting isn't uh, easy to index or, or they're not indexed very well. Um, so I, I would recommend people if you're looking for church records to be sure to check out uh, the, the images sections on, on family search, obviously. Oh yeah. Um, and how long have you been doing this kind? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say like to kind of ride that train just a little bit. Um, sure. I, my catalog, the catalog on family search is probably one of my favorite places because mm, okay. it's like you go to the library and you look at everything it has for a place. And right. that's unique because you, when you are stuck, stuck, you need to search every possible record. Right. right. And so that's, that's one place to go. And then, you know, just look for everything. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so talk to me about Moses genealogy. How long have you been doing that? Um, I started in 2019. Okay. Right after I graduated from school, I, you know, after being in college, I was like, man, my brain is exhausted. I just want to get a job (laughs) and someone tell me what to do. And then I was like, oh man, I think I need to start a business instead, which is not what I was planning on, but it's been, it's been so much fun. I've met some of the most incredible people. And if people want to reach out to you about their own projects or, or, or hire you as a potential uh, researcher, where, how would they go about doing that? 
Um, so I have a website called Moses Jen, M-O-S-E-S-G-E-N.com okay. that has my contact um, and some other information. And, you know, I've got a phone number, email, what, whatever okay. is your favorite form of contact. Okay. And, and I see and I see you're on social media as well. So people can, can, can follow your your searches along there. That's yes. They can follow me there and we'll probably have some exciting stuff coming up from the Germany trip. So (laughs) stay tuned. (laughs) Cool. Uh, Well, we'll be sure when we, when we post the podcast to put the links on there for folks in case they want to check all that stuff out for you. Uh, Corinne, thank you so much for joining us today on Ohio roots. Uh, Have a safe trip to Germany. Um, Hopefully we'll get to have, have a chance to talk to you again and, and find out some more things that you've discovered. So thanks for being here. Thank you. The Ohio Roots Podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Genealogical Society, the premier gateway for discovering your Ohio family history. Hosted by OGS Executive Director Noel Poyer and edited by Luke Poyer. Theme song is Beautiful Ohio, recorded by Bob Stanley and his orchestra in 1944. To learn more about joining the Ohio Genealogical Society, visit www.ogs.org.